Uh, not yet. I'm, I think I'm going to use it later. Good morning, Tucson Mountain Baptist. Let's, uh, Good morning. Let's gather ourselves together and sit down and then stand up to sing. <laughs> All of you who, who are able, let's stand up and sing to God be the glory. I haven't done this one in a while. I thought, it, I thought it was time for us to do this one. To God be the glory. seated. Here comes Jasper. Okay, I'm not going to sing, but <laughs> Aww. Uh, time will come. Just an announcement for this uh, week, uh, quilting ministry is coming Tuesday, and this coming Wednesday, January 31st, uh, our brother Art Extreme Room Celebration of Life at 3 p.m. here at the church. And a military service will be held for him on Thursday at 10 a.m. at South Lawn. So please remember that. And once again, we encourage you to read the church bulletin for more information for the upcoming events. And to our guests, if this is your first time, welcome to Tuzumano Baptist Church. And don't forget to fill out our guest registration card. Shall we pray? There you go. We thank you, Lord, for the vicarious death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross that through his death we were set free from the punishment of sin, we were forgiven and given a new life in Christ. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you will keep, help up to keep in mind that life is short and that is sure, that we are just strangers to this world and this world is not our final place. But Father, but knowing we have the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we have nothing to worry about. As your word says, Lord, in 1 John 5, 12, it says, Whosoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. He is the way, the truth, and the life, Lord, and no man cometh to the Father except through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for the presence of each one of us. We commit this thing to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jasper. Uh, let's sing, let's, let's uh, read a scripture verse, yes. <laughs> So Mark 12:30 it's 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 from the it's from the sermon today. 
love, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And now we're going to sing, stand up, stand up to Je with Jesus. Standing on the promises. <laughs> um, so you've rested enough. Those of you who can, let's stand up again. <laughs> So now, uh, blessed, blessed assurance. assurance. We have our assurance in Jesus Christ, don't we? Amen. Blessed assurance. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies. And I'm going to do a special. We'll, we'll just see how special it is. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> I guess I'm starting. <laughs> a 
Preserving the sanctity of life, it's not merely an American issue, it is global. I remember when I was in Ghana, West Africa, I was speaking at a pastor's conference, and I was talking about the importance of embracing kids with disabilities in the church family. It raised a lot of questions, of course. Uh, some of these pastors had not quite broken free of their culture that insists that disability is a curse from animus spirits or a bad omen from the village witch doctors. Other pastors were still under the impression that a child, uh, let's say born with Down syndrome, is evidence of sin or, or wrongdoing in the family's life. 
you know, a little like that uh, family of that man Jesus talked about in John chapter 9, verse 2. Well, that myth is as ancient as the friends of Job who spouted the same thing, and it is still prevalent. And at that conference in Africa, one pastor came up afterward with a heartbreaking confession. He had been listening, he had learned a lot from scripture, and he was convinced, yes, that God is sovereign over disabilities, and that of all people, all children, no matter how severely disabled, were all created in the image of God. But with this pastor, that truth stung, because he shared with me a story that to this day brings tears. He said that um, some years earlier, when he was younger, his sister was born, everyone loved on her, that is until it became clear that something was wrong. His little sister wasn't developing right. She wasn't walking when most toddlers were supposed to. This little African child couldn't grasp things. And looking back, she probably maybe had cerebral palsy, but it didn't matter when it was discovered that this child was permanently disabled. Her father, this pastor's father, wrapped his little girl in a blanket, took her far out into the jungle, the, the bush, uh, put her down on the ground, turned around and left her there to die. And to this day, I get chills thinking of what kind of death she suffered. I mean, this pastor standing there, sharing all this with me, he was in tears because now he realized that his sister is, is not the result of a jungle curse. She was created in the image of God. Now, although we live in a sophisticated, seemingly progressive country, the same philosophy is at play here in America. That unborn child, let's say in the womb, diagnosed with a disability, that child is a target for abortion. And if that child is born in a country like Belgium or Switzerland, doctors there may legally decide to end her life with legal drugs. Oh friend, let's remember that the Sanctity of Life campaign is a global one. So keep speaking out, keep speaking up, dig up the facts, get informed, find out what is happening in your state assembly, which might jeopardize a bill, perhaps it might jeopardize the weak and fragile, whether young or old, because as Proverbs 31 says, you gotta speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves like that child in Africa. It's my charge to you today on this Sanctity of Life Month. That's my cue. I don't have lights, but that's my cue. Good morning, Tucson Mountain. This is Sanctity of Life Month, and we are celebrating that And in each one of your bulletins each week. And if not, you just have to write on your offering envelope, Sanctity of Life, on the bottom, if you would like to contribute to that, because that is a very worthwhile need. Um, this morning, I want to talk to you about really life's greatest priority. And we've been looking at it for the last three weeks. Today's the fourth week. We're really, well, four weeks, actually. Today's the fifth week. And the verse is exactly what they read this morning. Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So this morning, I want us to think about that. Listen, if I'm going to love the Lord with my, all my heart, you know, my heart is my feelings, my emotions. It's the seat of our emotions. We talked about these things. And if I'm going to love the Lord with all my mind, that's my thought. That's my thinking. And with all my soul, we talked about this last week, that's our being. That's who we are. That's the center of our will. And that's who we are deep down inside. But what about strength? What about our strength? Well, listen, I believe that it's a combination. If we're going to love the Lord with our all, it's all of our feelings, all of our thinking, all of our being, and all of our doing. And that's what I believe the strength is. And as we study this this morning, I want you to remember that it's a combination of all those things. 
that strength. Is one part more important than another part? I asked myself that, and I got to thinking, Jesus did not say love the Lord with 50% of your heart and 75% of your mind and 80% of your soul and all of your strength. He said, love the Lord your God with all of all. That means they're equally important. And that means he wants 100% in each area, not just a portion in each area. So as we look at this and we think about this a little deeper, think about it this way. They're all interrelated. It's like a cake. I was watching my wife make a cake the other day. I don't know all the ingredients she puts in the cake. I just know it tastes good when it's done. But here's the thing. When she makes a cake, she puts all those ingredients together. And God says there's four basic ingredients right here to your life that you have to start with. This is the greatest priority that he has laid out for us. And he says it has to be all of those four things. It has to be all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. Those first three that we've looked at over the past few weeks, those are all internal things. Your mind, your heart, your soul. But strength is an external thing. And I believe it's tied into all those internal things that we've studied the last three weeks. Most of us, when we think of strength, we think of physical strength. But it's much more than that. It's a matter of doing God's will, but it's putting our strength externally to do what he's told us internally to do. Listen, I got to ask you a question this morning, and I want you to do some soul searching. Don't answer out loud because your neighbor might hear you. How are you managing doing what God wants you to do in your life? Think about that for a second. You know, I believe God's truths are much like files. And some of those files that we have, are they're in filing cabinets. And we put those files away so that we can access them. And a little later, maybe it's something like, you know, don't pick up a rattlesnake. <laughs> you know, we only need that one when we see a rattlesnake, right? But there's other files that are much like the notes on the refrigerator or the calendar on the refrigerator. They're daily reminders to remind us what we need to do when we need to do it so that things get done in our life. And it protects us and it keeps us safe. But there's truths that we need to remember, all of them. The very first one is I have to look, if I'm going to love the Lord with all my strength, I have to do some things. And these things are very important. The very first one, A, is I need complete confidence, complete confidence that God can do absolutely anything through my life. Now, some of you are going to go, I don't know about that. Well, we're going to talk about it. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus is talking about our lives together corporately as his church. And when he says we can do those things, think about this. His church is spread worldwide. His church corporately as a body of believers, we can reach a greater amount of people in less time than Jesus did when he was here on earth. There's more people being one to his cause in Christ today than he could do in his entire ministry of those three years. So we're going to do greater things than he's going to do if we'll allow it. And see, that's the issue. God can do anything because he changes the world through people's lives. And he changes us to do that as we draw closer to him. He uses imperfect people to make a perfect world. But it's still going to be imperfect no matter how hard we work. He's changing the world through us, but we have to be cooperative. God can do anything through believers that he chooses to as long as we allow it. Listen, we're much more positive that we can look at someone else and say, well, Larry or Al or somebody else, God's going to work through their life, but they're not going to work through my life. We're much easier to convince ourselves of that. 
because it's, we see our weaknesses. We see our shortcomings and we realize we're imperfect, but God takes ordinary people and he does extraordinary things as long as we cooperate with what he's wanting to do. And that's part of the strength that we have to pull from. How do I know this? Well, one, because God's resources are unlimited. God's resources are unlimited. Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Listen, I have never seen God's bank account, but I can guarantee you it's never empty. He doesn't run out of resources. You cannot exhaust the resources of God or the glory of God. It is physically, mentally impossible, spiritually impossible. But there's a second thing. Because God's ability is immeasurable. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work within us. Listen, think about this. In the Greek language, he uses some words here. He uses words that mean super abundantly. But then to put in front of it, he puts another word that means beyond super abundantly. And then he adds even a third word that says exceedingly. So he's exceedingly beyond super abundantly more. That's immeasurable. That's what it means to be immeasurable. You think God really wanted us to get that point? God is able to do incredible things through us with, as imperfect people, but he realizes that he has to use imperfect people who are sinners to saved by grace in order to lead other sinners to be saved by grace. But we have to cooperate with that. God is able to do anything through us if we allow it. And listen, it's not because of who we are. It's not that you're so special that way. It's because of who God is. The third thing is because his power is incomparable. There's nothing to compare with God's power. When you think of power, the first thing I thought when I thought of power is, oh, I think of nuclear holocaust. I think of floods. I think of fires. I think of massive amounts of destruction, you know, power, the weather. But Paul reveals a completely different picture. Think about it. In Ephesians 1.19, he says this, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. You know, we think of things that bring death or destruction. He thinks of something Paul thinks of something that brings nothing but resurrection life. He says it's the power of the universe that can bring the dead back to life. Isn't that what he did in us as, as children of God when he saved us and he touched our lives and touched our hearts and our souls and our minds and drew us to him to, to want to honor him and to be a part of his family? That's what he does for us. Listen, we have to, we have to, Put this in our minds and our hearts and really believe it. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. He gives us the strength. And that's part of the problem. I believe that God can do anything through us and will do anything through us when we allow it. But the second problem we have in life is B. I also have complete confidence that I can do absolutely nothing without the power of God. Without the power of Christ. Listen, I know a lot of people that have this second part down. I can do nothing. They forget the without Christ part sometimes. And then there's others that have the first part down. I can do all things. Again, they forget without Christ because they're trying to do it through their own strength. And they wear themselves out. Listen, unfortunately, it's very easy to get caught up in false humility and false ability. And that is a problem. True humility recognizes that it's all about God. And God is the one that supplies the power for us to do what we need to do. But true ability is trusting God to do anything through your life. 
and saying yes, Lord, when he calls. Think about this. That is when we need to remember. That is when we love the Lord our God with all our strength. Is when we do his will and his way and his time. John 15, 5, Jesus, it's the night before his crucifixion. And he's talking to his uh, uh, apostles. And he's trying to explain to them, you know, what's going to take place. He's talking to them about faith. He's talking to them about peace. He's talking to them about their life, their future. And he says something here in uh, John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, he can do nothing. Listen, he's telling them basically how the Holy Spirit's going to come into their life and how the Holy Spirit's going to change their life. And he's trying to remind them and that, that they need to stay connected. And that seems to be a problem with some people I talk to today. They're not connected. They want to live out here on the fringe and be what I call a CEO Christian. You remember what CEO Christian is? Christmas and Easter only? Yeah. They want to live out there on the fringe, but yet they want to have all the blessings that God has for them throughout the rest of the year. And God doesn't work that way. He will watch over you. He will help protect you. But he also looks for your commitment. He looks for your love. You were made and brought here with a purpose to love God and have him love you back. That's why we were made. He says you have to stay connected. Listen, he's telling his apostles, Jesus is saying, you cannot do anything of significant value, of eternal value, if you do not stay connected. It's just not physically going to happen. Colossians 1.29 shows us this in a more practical way. He says, to this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. His energy works in us. Wouldn't it be great if when you got God's strength, you could just sit back and enjoy the ride and not have to do anything? There's some people that want to do that. When it comes to loving God, there's two errors I think we make in life. The very first one is we're trying to work using all our own strength. We're saying, I'm going to do this for the Lord, but I'll do it my way through my strength. God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to use his strength. You were not designed and capable of carrying that weight by yourself. He didn't make us that way. He didn't hardwire us that way. <laughs> You're going to wear yourself out quick. It'd be like you trying to pick up a 700-pound bag of grain and carry it by yourself. It's not going to work. Listen, the other area uh, error is thinking Jesus is going to do it all and I don't have to do anything. I'll be right here cheering for you, Jesus. Go ahead. Well, but he wants your cooperation. That's where our strength comes in. He says it's, 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 it's a partnership. It is a relationship. And I want you to commit to that. It's not all Jesus' job. It's not all our job. It's both of our jobs. But we have to listen and be obedient to Christ. If I leave either side of this equation off, I'm not going to succeed. Psalm 73, 26 says this, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Listen, God's strength never fails. My strength fails. I used to be able to run really fast. I can't even run anymore. All right? So our strength fails because of injury or illness or age, whatever it might be, our strength fails. If we took a brand new fresh cut flower and we cut it off the vine, do you really expect that flower to put out any more buds? Let's say it's a rose. Do you expect it to put out any more buds or you put it in water even if it's going to blossom open? Do you expect it to do anything else other than die? No, because it's disconnected from the vine. 
It's the same way with our life spiritually. It's the same problem. And that's what he's trying to get us to understand. When that rose starts to wilt, it's easy for us just to throw it away and get another one. But he says for you as a Christian, he says you have the opportunity to reconnect. So when we start to wilt, that's God's signal. We need to reconnect and get close to God and start reading his word and putting it into practice. Listen, we don't, in the Old Testament, you remember when we looked at the Old Testament, all the laws that the the Jews had to remember? You ought to thank God you don't have to remember all those laws. Right? We're, We're told one simple thing. The primary thing, the biggest priority in life is to stay connected. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's the greatest priority. That's the number one function. Stay connected. That's what he's trying to get across to us. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Listen, to do spiritual things, you have to have spiritual power. If you're not going to do spiritual things, you still need spiritual power. To live just on your own. But see... Brings about a question. How does my weakness become God's strength? Let's think about this for a second. This is a crucial point. This is where it actually all starts and happens and congeals. Now listen, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about weaknesses. The fact that we're human. The fact that we get injured and we we have illnesses and sicknesses. The fact that you may be physically hurt, mentally hurt emotionally hurt. Maybe you got some weird hangups. But you know what? I'm not talking about sin. The fact that the circumstances of ha- that happen in your life from time to time. There's a few truths that we need to understand about this to start with. The very first thing is my strength pulls me away from God's strength. Now, what do I mean by that? When I feel like I'm strong and I've got it all together, I stop leaning on God. You do too. When I realize I'm in need, I start depending on God. Now, this is cyclic in nature. And if you go back to what we learned in the Old Testament, it's the same problem. We, we look and we laugh at those things in the Old Testament and say, well, those Jews, they just kept circling back and forth. They'd, they'd sin, they'd, they'd, they'd cry out to God. God would send a judge or send somebody to rescue them or he'd come rescue them. And then they'd do well for a little while, and then they'd sin, and they'd cry out to God, and it was cyclic, right? Well, we do the same thing. It's just a little different. When I feel like I'm strongest, that is the place I least depend on God. But unfortunately, that's probably also the place I most need God. The process is we all go through it. We feel strong, we start to falter, we fall, we fail. God comes along, picks us up, I start to, because I start to depend on him. And then when I depend on God, I start to feel strong again, and I put him off to the side, and I do it on my own strength, and then I fail, and I falter, and we're back to the same cycle again. We keep wanting to depend totally on ourselves, and that's when I, we get in the most trouble. Welcome to the process of three steps forward and two steps back in spiritual growth. Because that's what's taking place. We need to learn how to use God's strength and stop relying on so much of our strength. But the second part of this is my weakness draws me towards God's strength. Now, okay, you're contradicting yourself. No, I'm not. Two stories. Think about this. Samson. Samson was incredibly strong, right? He had a lot of strength, but he forgot where his strength came from. Look with me at Judges 16.5. The rulers of the Philistine went to her, Delilah, and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Listen, God gave him the strength. We realize, unlike me, and some of you, 
Strength was coming from his hair. But once he cut his hair, he lost his strength, right? Now, here's the problem. He was depending on the strength that he had developed over time to continue living his life. And he thought even after he said something for, to Delilah and finally gave away the secret that he would be okay. Don't we do the same? Don't we do the same? Samson's a great picture of how when I'm the strongest and I tend to rely on myself, that's what gets me into trouble and that's when I'm extremely weak. But then there's another story, Gideon, an entirely different picture. Now think about this, Gideon in Judges 6, 11, and 12. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Oprah that belonged to Joash, that Bezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now look, when God and Gideon first met, Gideon's down in the wine press, and the angel of the Lord comes along, and he says, Hail to you, mighty warrior. Gideon's looking around going, Who else is in here with me? Right? Gideon's going, I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm down here hiding in this wine press, threshing enough wheat to just eat. If he was given a name by God, it wouldn't have been mighty warrior. It would have been quaking and shaking and making bacon. <laughs> he, was, he was struggling. But this is the same army. These Midianites, that if you go back and look, the Samson slaughtered. Hail mighty warrior. Sometimes God has to tell us and remind us who we are. Sometimes we forget. If Gideon had given himself that name, that would have not have been it. He was frightened. And then what takes place? God says, you're going to lead a great army. And Gideon says, okay, well, I'll make myself available. We'll go get this army. So Gideon and God go start forming the army. And he gets all these men. Right? And God says, you got too many. Thin them down. And Gideon's going, what? He said, okay, fine. He thins them down. And God says, nope, nope, you still got too many men. You got to thin them down again. He's going, uh, uh, Lord, do you, are you sure? He's going, yes, thin them down again. He says, no, nope, still have too many. He gets down to where he has just a handful of men as compared to the amount he had. And he says, now, I'm going to give you an idea. He says, I want you to take these, these men and you give them a torch and you give them a trumpet and you give them a jar of clay, a clay jar. And he says, you light the torches, you put the clay pots on top of the torches and you take the horns and you surround the enemy. And he says, as you surround the enemy, once everybody's in place, he says, you give the signal and everybody at the same time take their clay pots and break them or throw them off the torches and blow the trumpets and they'll think they're surrounded and the huge army is surrounding them and they're under attack and they'll take care of themselves. And they did. They killed themselves. They panicked and in such a panic they killed themselves. What could, God, what could Gideon say? I didn't do it. God did it. Right? And that's why God did that. He wanted to make sure that Gideon could only say, God did it. I had no part in it other than just doing what God told me to do. I didn't even want to make myself available because I was down there in the wine press. I didn't want to go, but I went. And because I went, God gave me the victory. God gave us the victory. Listen, when we make ourselves available, God will use his strength through us. That's what Gideon learned. Think about Paul, a familiar 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. God spoke to him in the midst of his sickness or his illness. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Listen, his power is made perfect in our weakness. 
He takes us as imperfect people, and he does perfect things. He takes us as ordinary people, and he does extraordinary things. But we have to do our part. Because if you say no, then guess what? It's going to be no. He'll find somebody else to use. He's still going to get the job done, but he'll find somebody else. Give you a resistance. Do you want to do great things for God? Then you're going to face some weaknesses in your life. They may be physical. They may be emotional. They may be mental. They may be spiritual. You're going to face some weaknesses. Once you bring yourself into the presence of God and allow him to use you, that's going to be inevitable. Listen, Paul goes on and he says some things. He boasted so that God's strength would be revealed. He boasted. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen. <laughs> this boasting is not, my weakness is bigger than your weakness, so God is going to use me. He's not saying compare weaknesses that way. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you have to realize that your weakness ties you back closer to the relationship with God. It's knowing in my relationship with God, when I am weak, he is strong. When I surrender myself to him and allow him to work through my life, then I'm going to be strong. That's what he's saying. And he will be strong in spite of those weaknesses just like he did with Paul. The third thing is my weakness reveals God's strength. My weakness reveals God's strength. How does it do that? He wants to show the world, God wants to show the world, and he wants the world to understand and know exactly where strength comes from. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Remember Gideon? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Listen, in Gideon's story, the jars of clay were broken, and when they were broken or taken off, the light came out and the victory was won. We are his treasures in jars of clay, but he is our treasure in this jar of clay. And he says, if you will simply take off that clay pot that you're hiding your light under, I will use you and you will gain and have the victory in life. That's what he wants to give us. Sometimes when we are most broken in our spirit, in our soul, in our heart, in our mind, that's when he allows the light to shine the most. And sometimes we don't realize it until after the fact. God is holy, his Holy Spirit, his power will shine through us if we only remove those jars of clay. The strength and power is from him, it's not from us. Paul said, I'm going to boast in my weakness. Listen, I love in each and every one of you as a brother and sister in Christ, those that I know nearly and dearly, but we are a church that is weak. We are a church that is filled with weak people. We are a broken bunch. Praise God for that, because when we admit that and we realize that, then we grow closer to God, and God uses us in mighty ways. And I believe with all my heart and all my mind, he is using us in mighty ways in many, many different ministries and areas. And I think it's just beginning. How do we deal with the fact that we're mentally broken we're spiritually broken. We're physically broken. We're physically weak. Well, number four, my weakness comes from God's strength at the point of my faithfulness. My faithfulness. Psalm 18, 25 says, To the faithful you show yourself faithful. The faithful see God's faithfulness and strength at work in their life. 
Loving the Lord with all your strength is not just a matter of a one-time event. It's not just when you accept Christ as Savior. It's not just when you are baptized. It's not just when you become a member of a body of believers. It's way more than that. It's an ongoing process. It never stops. Ever. We couldn't necessarily call him um, the God of our heart if he didn't see the whole picture and we didn't see the whole picture of him. Think about the story of David for a moment. If we just had the story of David slaying Goliath and nothing else in Scripture, we couldn't really call him a man after God's own heart. But because we see the picture of David in Psalms, we see the inner workings of his heart. Because we have the story of Bathsheba and Uriah and how he conspired to kill Uriah and he slept with Bathsheba and committed adultery, we understand his mind. But we also understand if we read further on in Scripture, more about the story of David, of how he suffered because of that sin and how he had to come to God and ask for forgiveness in a way that if he hadn't have went through all those things, we wouldn't understand his heart, soul, and mind like we do. That's what he's telling us. He's saying to the faithful, you show yourself faithful. Listen, there's no faithfulness pill. There's no seminar you can go to to learn faithfulness. You have to put it into practice. David humbled himself before God, and he got before God and confessed his sin, and he asked for forgiveness. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Sometimes we have to do that on a reoccurring basis each day. For some of us, it's each hour. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. You need to underline, highlight, or circle, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Listen, that verse, I believe, was put there for each and every one of us because he knows we're going to get tired. He knows we're going to get weary. And he knows there's times when we feel like, I'm going to give up. I quit. I'm done. We've all been there. Maybe some of you are there right now. But you know what? He says, you're going to reap a reward if you don't give up. Matthew 25, 21, look at the result of not giving up. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now, the first thing some of you are going to do is going, well, wait a minute. He's going to give us more to do? Yeah, amen. Part of the reward for faithfulness is having greater responsibilities and greater opportunities to serve him in different ways. But that's part of it, and we should rejoice in that. In order to really live life's greatest priority, we have to balance all four of those disciplines. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's what he's telling us to do. Listen, how do we solidify that? How do we make that stick in our mind to put it into practice? I believe we can do it by looking at Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. When are we supposed to do it? All the time. God knows, listen, those of you that teach kids, I love that you have a heart for kids. I really do. Because you know what? When we teach kids, God knows that we have to pay attention and listen to what he's telling the kids because we're getting the lesson too. And we're getting impacted by it. God understands that. It's making an impact on us every time we teach and lead somebody else. 
we need to talk about these commandments when we sit at home, when we sit around the dinner table, or when we sit around the breakfast table. We need to talk about these commandments when, when we, well, we don't walk along the road much anymore, when we're driving in the car. We need to talk about these commandments when we get up in the morning, when we lay down at night. He's saying we should always be inclined to be involved in thinking about those commandments. Loving the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Let's pray. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity this morning just, just to recommit your love to him. I want to lead you in this prayer, and, and you can say it quietly to yourself, but I just want to give you the opportunity to do that today. Father, when we face weaknesses, I pray that we'll always remember that you never leave us nor forsake us. It's your strength and not mine. It's not ours. We need to continue to depend on you. I pray this morning that as we commit together in these next few months, these next years to come, that, that this commitment of love would change our lives and change our communities in a way that is just overwhelming. I pray that through our faithfulness to you and your faithfulness to us, it would continue changing our hearts and changing our habits and changing us. Lord, we know we are weak. We know we are weedy and spiritual hungry people. But we believe also that you hear our prayers. And you answer our prayers according to your will. So Lord, we pray together this morning in confidence. In great confidence. That you will help us learn to love you with all our heart. All our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. Lord, keep us growing, keep us knowing who you are each and every day. Let us build that relationship with you that is, that is so close and so intimate that we never forget who we are or who you are and that you're working through us each and every day. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you as Savior and Lord, we pray that you would just touch their heart, touch their mind. Allow them to be drawn to you. Maybe they've made that commitment to you, but they've never made it public. We give them that opportunity this morning. And maybe there's those that are here that have made that commitment maybe years ago, but they've never been baptized. That's the first major act of obedience that your word tells us we need to do. And it's not for salvation but it is the remembrance of putting away in our old life dying. We're dying to sin and self, and we're being raised in a new life. And when we come up out of that baptismal water, we have regained that new life. We are born again without any doubt. And Father, maybe there's those that are here that have done all that. Maybe they've been members of other church, or maybe they've never been a member of a church. We offer that opportunity for them to be a part of this fellowship with this body of believers this morning too. Whatever the need is, Lord, whatever the prayer is, whatever needs to be done in someone's life here today, Lord, I pray that you would allow them to take that step, that most important step to draw closer to you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you can and would, Stand, please. Jesus paid it all.
announcements. Um, please remember Art Ekstrom's Celebration of Life is uh, this Wednesday at 3 p.m. Um, and we'll have a military service the next morning at South Lawn. It's in your bulletin. But also, I need you, if you would, if you are going to participate in the Franklin Graham event on March 5th, I need you to meet in the pastor's offices um, with me this morning for just about 10 minutes right after this service um, before you jet out to go home or before you go to your bible study if you're a teacher and you can't meet with me that's fine i will meet with you later but i need to talk to everybody this morning if you would please if you're planning on being involved in franklin graham's um, uh, event that is taking place on march 5th um, we have a little bit of an issue i want to make you guys aware of we need your help. Um, unfortunately, we're starting to have some vandalism take place on the property again. They smashed out the front window in the front building uh, night before last. And uh, the big the big window, you know, the, the, the most expensive window we probably got on the property. Um, they took that one out. So there's boards over it right now, and we will get it replaced as soon as we can. But if you guys see anything suspicious or see anybody doing something they shouldn't be doing, um, talk to somebody in leadership. Let them know. Um, we are going to be upgrading our security. We're going to be putting in cameras and doing some other things. It's, we've reached the point where it's a necessity. And uh, we just have to protect the property a little differently so that we don't have to spend money that's unnecessarily to spend. So if you would just help us with that, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, we don't really think they were breaking in. We think they were just being mean-spirited and just broke out the window. <laughs> so those type of things. But, but do pray that, you know, pray for the safety and, and sanctity of the church, if you would, that it is protected. All right? If you do that. Great music this morning, guys. Thank you so much. And if you have the opportunity to meet with me for a few minutes this morning, I'd greatly appreciate it if you're going to Franklin Graham's. So let's go out singing, Greater is He that is in me. Greater is he that is in me, 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 greater is he that is in me,